Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Jenny and I continue our conversation on T.S. Eliot's The Hollow Men. Okay, so let's move on to part one of the poem. It, it presents a predicament of the hollow men. So who is this group of hollow men? They're empty, they're lacking substance, right. spiritless. Almost, you might as well just read the poem because it yeah. tells us who they yeah. are. Their spirituallessness. Yes. They're stuffed with meaningless straw. They try to speak, but it's all meaningless. They're unable to move forward. Yep. I'll read this okay, first stanza. And pay attention to the sussuration. Pay attention to the sibilance, the letter S here in this stanza. Okay. Because the S has a lot of meaning, and it's a powerful tool of... Literature? It's a powerful literary tool to convey something mm -hmm. that the poet wants to convey. Right. S kind of makes you think of air, emptiness. It is the sound of the snake, the sibilance. It is the sound of... Emptiness. Of, of emptiness, yeah. Exactly. Of the air blowing through something. When you poke a hole in a balloon, it makes that air sound. Mm -hmm. um, the S sound. Yeah. So exactly. there's something wrong when there's sibilance going right. on. Right. We are the hollow men. We are the stuffed men, leaning together, headpiece filled with straw. Alas, our dried voices, when we whisper together, are quiet and meaningless as wind in dry grass or rats' feet over broken glass in our dry cellar. Shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. Those who have crossed with direct eyes to death's other kingdom remember us, if at all, not as lost violent souls, but only as the hollow men, the stuffed men. I love that. Mm -hmm. that. That stanza. And that tells you who the hollow men are. Yeah. There's an emptiness. This group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's that sense that all meaning has been lost, all value has been lost, and, and we... Because the collective we here yeah, it's is a group. incredibly it's important. It's definitely a group. Because this is a group, yep. a collective notion of we. Contrast that with mm -hmm. the we of the journey of the Magi. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because they were three individuals. And when it comes to the end of the poem, we returned to our places, these kingdoms. Mm hmm but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be happy of another death. And so that is the we of the individual. Mm -hmm. This is the we of the collective. Mm -hmm. Eliot is looking at the society around him and finding it utterly empty, right. unable to do anything, inactive, incapable. Shape without form, shade without color. Right. So all we have is a partial reality. Mm -hmm. Paralyzed force, something that is there as a force, but it can't do anything. Right, and they're filled 
for being hollow men, they're yes. filled. Filled. They're but, stuffed. Filled. They're filled with straw. With straw. Mm-hmm. And the best you can but say what is, it is that they're filled? Yeah. What are they filled with? Emptiness. Mm-hmm. And that S, that sibilant S, is that sense of constant motion with nothing. Right. It's the emptiness of the wind. It's the emptiness of rats' feet over broken glass mm-hmm. in our dry cellar. Right. And of course, the dry cellar is an allusion to the failed gunpowder plot. There's powder down in the basement, but it never explodes. So however bad Guy Fawkes was in trying to blow up the king in the parliament, he was ineffective. Right. He was just, not able to accomplish anything. Just as a lost, violent soul. Yes, he's a lost, violent. Oh, uh, no, excuse me. He's not even remembered as a lost, violent soul. At least Guy Fawkes had that. Mm-hmm. He's saying, we are not even remembered as that. Mm-hmm. But just as the hollow man, the stuffed man. There's no substance to the world anymore. Hope is gone. Form is gone. And this is something I have said that has happened to academia. Mm-hmm. I taught at a normal school at East Stroudsburg University of Pennsylvania. And one of the things I noted there while I was teaching, and it was in the 2000s, before 2010, and a little bit after 2010, I think up to 2013 was when I stopped teaching, is that all they taught was this empty form that had no content. Right. And this is where it's led us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Shape without form. Shape without form. Shade, Shade without, without color. Color, paralyzed force. Gesture without motion. Paralyzed force. Yep. You are paralyzed. And our society mm-hmm. is paralyzed. Right. Because we're not capable of moving forward. We've arrested ourselves. And We've emptied a, ourselves of content. Right. And to a certain extent, we are paralyzed by culture. We're not allowed to. Oh, yeah. You're we not allowed to. We are shut down. Right. We're not allowed to move forward. We're not allowed to actually pursue and interact with one another. We have a stultified form. That which uh, an orthodoxy mm-hmm. that won't allow us to move forward because it will shut you down if you dare to disagree with it. And there's also at the end of this stanza, I think it happens with every single stanza, this fear of those who have gone before will look at us and say, You're what, empty. Yeah, you're empty. Yeah, you've got nothing because to contribute. Here is this to death's other kingdom, remember us. If at all, not as lost souls, but only as the hollow men. And then later in part two, three, four, and five, I think in several of those stanzas, he he says the same thing, basically. Yeah, Uh, that sentence, I mean, Mm -hmm. that section of this first stanza is absolutely critical. Yeah. Because when we cross over to death's other kingdom, after we've died, we're not even going to be remembered. Right. Because we've done nothing of value. We've contributed nothing to the world. And even we have, it'll be forgotten. It's empty and meaningless because it'll be gone. And it's meaningless. Right. And I remember several times now, we've probably said it on No Compromise too. It's like you said, what is it that we fought in our world? What's the Mm -hmm. battle that we fought? We fought over the definition of what a woman is. (laughs) Whether a man can have a period. Yeah, and whether a man can have babies. No, no, whether a man can have a period. (laughs) And and putting 
tampons in men's restrooms. Yeah, and that's our legacy. Yeah. We are the hollow men. Yeah. We are the stuffed men filled with straw, alas. Exactly. And it would be worthwhile if, even if we were wrong, Mm -hmm. Elliot says at the end, if we were lost, violent souls, at least we would have then been memorable. Right. (laughs) But we are so pablum and useless Mm -hmm. that we're not even worth remembering. Right. Okay, so let's move on to part two, John. Yep. Okay, the hollow men at this point are unable to do anything meaningful, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they don't seem to even want to get near to what is meaningfulness. They don't want to get near God because they disguise themselves as scarecrows and dress in rat's clothing or crow skin to avoid, to avoid, right. (laughs) So at this point, he speaks of this limbo, which would of course be from Dante. Yeah. He probably borrowed it from Dante. This inability to cross into hell or to seek redemption. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuck in the middle, right? Yes. Unable to the do... The wood between the worlds. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unable to do good, unable to do bad. Yep. And that, is, I think, is, is an excellent way of thinking about the hollow men as a whole. C.S. Lewis's wood between the worlds. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think that's where... Don't you think that's where T.S. Eliot was at this point in his life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah, right? yeah it's he, interesting. He didn't know where to go. He was utterly lost, and he felt as though nothing could be accomplished right. or done in this world. And that is the wood between the worlds. Yeah. Well, like we said, the hedonism, as you said, of the 20s and the destruction, despair of post-World War One. Right. It's a really hard place to find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to read part sure. two? I'll read it. Eyes I dare not meet in dreams, in death's dream kingdom, these do not appear. There the eyes are sunlight on a broken column. There is a tree swinging and voices are in the winds singing, more distant and more solemn than a fading star. And there we actually see that sibilance again, Mm -hmm, quite heavily in that section. There's a lot of that. Let me be no nearer in death's dream kingdom. Let me also wear such deliberate disguises, rat's coat, crow skin, crossed staves in a field, behaving as the wind behaves. No nearer. Not that final meeting in the twilight kingdom. Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very good description of what he must have been feeling spiritually. So again, it's that limbo between life and death. Yeah. And the dread of death is also very clear here. And yet also that sense in which this world in which we live, we don't want to face reality. I dare not meet these eyes in dreams, right? And this kingdom, this kingdom of death, in which we dwell at some level, even here, is filled with fragments of reality. We're not able to put things together into a coherent whole, Mm -hmm. a whole world in which we can be real men. Instead, we're stuck in between, and all we hear is the empty wind singing. And even that is more distant and more solemn than a fading star. And maybe not so much death as it is life. Yeah, it is life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's the interplay of death and life mm-hmm. that he's playing on here. Yeah, it's like, am I living or am I dying? Right. Or am As I it dead? Is 
he sees life, but he just can't reach for it. Yeah. He can't get to it. Mm -hmm. Yet life seems to be something that is more than what we're living, and yet we can't get to the kingdom of death. But I like what he says, behaving as the wind behaves, Mm -hmm. no nearer. And there we've talked a lot in the Christian Atheists about the asymptote Mm -hmm. of God, trying to approach ultimate reality. And yet, here he's talking about getting no nearer. Getting no nearer, exactly. And what we constantly want, what we are striving for, is to get nearer to God, to reality, to Mm -hmm. truth, to beauty. All of those things that we pursue, we're seeking to get nearer, and yet he says, I'm trapped, not able to get any nearer to these things. It's Mm -hmm. just an empty wind blowing. Right, right. Okay, so let's move on to part three, John. Okay. Do you want to read that? This is the dead land. This is cactus land. Here the stone images are raised. Here they receive the supplication of a dead man's hand under the twinkle of a fading star. Is it like this in death's other kingdom? Waking alone at the hour when we are trembling with tenderness, lips that would kiss form prayers to broken stone. So I think we're picking up here on the same analogy. Yeah. This world in which we're living is a dead world. Yeah. It's dry. And it's yet, almost like he asks, is the other world the same way? Yeah. Is it like so. they have all the goodness, but they ask the same questions as we ask? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is death is going it to worth, be any better than yeah, this? Is it worth it? Is it like... They have all the perfection, but they say the same things. Is there any value to pursue here or there? No, no, we can't reach what we want, Yeah, what we desire the most. Right. Well, desire is is a dry desire because it can never be realized. Yeah. 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 This is the cactus land. And yet it is filled. And And I'm sorry, is it Elliot asking at this point, is it like this in Death Other Kingdom waking alone? Is it him asking the question about who knows? Maybe he was at that point he knew a God and he knew what Absolutely. he needed to do. And yes. and was he asking the question, is it worth it? Should I go? Should I step over? There is no doubt. He at is seeking point, here mm-hmm. a higher kingdom, yeah. a higher truth. And he's wonder, he's weighing it in the balances. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because as a as an atheist myself. I was there. Right. When you are an atheist, mm-hmm. when you're not on that side, you are saying, oh, that is part of the dream world, the right. fantasy world. It's not real. And yet, this is what I want. Right. You recognize, I mean, in Surprised by Joy, Lewis talks about this, that we are seeking as human beings necessarily for something higher and greater and better but, and real. But it's almost like he says, "Is it if I get to higher and real and better, is it going to be the same as this, where I am still seeking and still wanting to, to know? Yeah. I mean, at one level, I think he's saying, look, is this journey towards a higher reality an empty journey? Right, exactly. So the journey of the Magi, am I just making the journey to find absolutely nothing? Right. Is and, it a waste of my time? is it going time? to be a wasteland? 
And am I going to be still hollow? Still hollow at the end. And after I followed this journey, do I get absolutely nowhere? Right. And then we get, and then we arrived at evening, not a moment too soon finding the place. It was, you may say, satisfactory. Right. Right. And that is the absolute contrary to what's going on here. And that was from the journey journey of the Magi. Yeah, right? that we talked about. Yeah, and at that point, Eliot says it was satisfactory. Mm-hmm. And from this poem, that moment of satisfactory is like the there oasis. Is, yeah, in there the midst is of no, the desert. There is no satisfaction in this. No poem. satisfaction in this right. poem. There is no doubt. There's no satisfaction. Okay, John. So let's move on to part four. This is. I, I just, um, before we move, let me just say one last word about this part in three. At the hour when we are trembling with tenderness, lips that would kiss form prayers to broken stone. Those lines, no matter how many times I've done this, and I've gone over it with you so many times, I can barely remember it, always get me. Because the moment of tenderness, like when you are most alive, when you are reaching out for the reality and you're ready to kiss, he's saying, all of that just is falling apart for me. But but that's not what he's asking here. He's saying, is it like this in Death's Other Kingdom? That's what I'm point I'm trying to make, that he's asking... If I go to the other side, is it going to be like this? Is yes. it going to be the same? No, I think you're exactly right. Is it going it's to be a question. what you just said? Yes. But is it going to be like this on the other side? Yes. Is it like when I am right. at right, right. that point of actually seeking and finding the beauty and the reality, is it all going to be just lips that would kiss for right. prayers? Okay to broken stone. Right. It's all just a fantasy that crumbles to dust when we reach for it. Right. But it's not. But it's not. At this point, he didn't know that. Right. And that's... That's his fear. That's the point where you were... Yes. When I first met you. Right. Mm -hmm. And and when I kissed you, (laughs) I realized I was not saying prayers to broken stone. There was a real God. <laughs> You're so weird. <laughs> okay, anyway. We're talking about T.S. Eliot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, section four. Okay, section four. This seems like it was once a magnificent kingdom, and now it's empty, dry valley. I think of life, you know, when you read this, life can be kind of like that way. It's magnificent at the beginning, beginning of relationships and work and events and ideas. And then they all collapse into emptiness. You know what this stanza calls to mind for me? Yeah, what is it? Is C.S. Lewis's charm in The Magician's Nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. That's really good. And, you know, even the eye, the the, the hall of the images where he finds Jadis. And the eyes are not there. No, the eyes are not there. Because they are all... What were they all? They're all empty eyes. They're all statues. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. The eyes are not here. There are no eyes here in this valley of dying stars. In this hollow valley, this broken jaw, 
of our lost kingdom. And that is so much like John. I wonder if that's where Lewis gets. I know I can't help from. thinking that too mm-hmm. because I see Chon here so clearly. Yes, exactly. But I don't think Lewis would be doing a tribute to. Oh, that's right. Elliot that's right. At this point, they were at contemporaries sure. and they weren't yeah. really popular. And, he, and Lewis did not like. Elliot. Yeah, they weren't really fond of each other. <laughs> In this last of meeting places, we grope together and avoid speech gathered on this beach of the Tumid River. And I love that rhyme there because there's no rhyme scheme at all in this poem. And yet the intentional rhyme there is powerful. Real quick, it's interesting how they both came to the same conclusion. Lewis and Eliot. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. In different ways. Yeah. Oh, the parallels between C.S. Lewis Mm -hmm. and Eliot. I think Lewis would have rejected out of hand had I pointed them out to him. Mm -hmm. But they are nevertheless there and real. And (laughs) one of those glimpses of God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because both of them love the Savior. Right. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Gathered. Gathered on this beach of the Tumid River. That is the swollen river. The river Acheron or the river Styx over which we must pass from life to death. Right sightless unless the eyes reappear as the perpetual star multifoliate rose of death's twilight kingdom the hope only of empty men ouch and that is a deliberate jab i think by t.s Eliot at religion Mm -hmm. at that time in his life the hope of empty men that is Faith in God, in Christianity, but what do you think? is empty. I know the river sticks, but why would he say a swollen river well, it's a when sw- everything else was hollow and then all of a sudden he said it's swollen? Because it's swollen with death. Okay. The whole world is coming apart. All of the people are dying and there is no meaning or anything else. And therefore the river that we must cross is swollen. It is swollen with the detritus of death. Okay. I think that's the idea. All right. And you're gathered on this beach, you're sightless, and then here's this swollen river, but you can't cross it. And you're questioning as you questioned above. A swollen river is certainly harder to cross. I don't okay. Know. Yeah. I mean, Go there's ahead. There's always more to it than any one person sees, that's for sure. Okay. So, anyway, the multifoliate rose, what do you think? Well, Heaven? that's a definite. Dante? Um, Dante. Okay. It's a definite allusion to Dante. And Dante actually is always massive in T.S. Eliot. Yeah, he was a In almost every poem, there's some sort of reference to Dante. Okay. He was huge, which is, you know, just points to what we said earlier in this poem, that T.S. Eliot was a master of the Western tradition. Yeah, that's for sure. And therefore, when he departs from it, he's departing from it intelligently. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back and recognizes the power of the tradition is never far right. from Eliot in one way or another. Right. And it's kind of like if you think of today, their departure is just, it just feels like a tearing down and that's it. Nothing that's else. It yeah. There's in nothing fact, else. It's an ignorant departure. Yeah. It's not that they're even understanding what it is they're departing. Mm-hmm. They're just destroying indiscriminately right. everything around them. Right. It's the Marxian thing of the lo- the love of the quote from Goethe. Yeah. All yeah. that exists yeah. deserves to perish. Right, right, right. And that's the Marxist Hegelian 
legacy that we're dealing with in today's world. There is no knowledge of what it is you're tearing down. You're just indiscriminately destroying because you hate and you envy and you dislike everything that exists because it's not reaffirming you. Right, right. Like Paradise Lost. (laughs) Yeah, and Satan and the way of Cain. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to part five. Part five is interesting because it begins with a child's song. And we know the song normally as, here we go around the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush, the mulberry bush. But instead of the mulberry bush, Elliot uses the prickly pear. Yes. Which is a kind of cactus. Yes. I mean, for me, when I read it, it was kind of like a longing for childhood, except the longing is tainted with the present. For sure. And, and next, it seems after after that, there's these three sections where it seems like the hollow men actually try to take action, but there's this shadow that prevents them from carrying through on their action. Mm-hmm. What do you think the shadow is, John? Yeah, the shadow is that absolute uncertainty that we cannot move beyond yeah it's the wood between the worlds but it's it's a dark yeah yeah between the worlds it's not the sweet nice uncertainty of of, of not quite deciding between pools i wish i could think of a word yeah of not being able to commit to anything yeah yeah and your life just dragging on as an eternal misery Right, and in whatever it is, it prevents the ability to speak the prayer. Yeah. The Lord's Prayer. Yep, yep. Um, it's it's the fragmentation of any notion that brings the world together into a cohesive, rational whole right. that preserves value and truth and beauty. And then the final four lines, it's kind of a repeat of the form of the first lines, Yep. And it can actually be sung in the same way. Yep, and we'll play with that. All right, let's bit. play with that when we when you read it. So this why don't you read it? I will do it in two ways. Mm-hmm. I'll read it first and then I will sing song the first part of the poem. <laughs> will you sing it for us? Yes. So here we go. <laughs> here we go round the prickly pear. Prickly pear, prickly pear. Here we go round the prickly pear at five o'clock in the morning. Which reminds me of waking up early in the morning and going to work. Yes. And that five o'clock in the morning is that drudgery Mm -hmm. of day after day having to wake ourselves and do that which we have no desire to do. And the original is around the mulberry bush so early in the morning, which is like for children, eh, there's no sense of time. No, and it's a matter of fun for mm-hmm. them. But this is a prickly. But this is drudgery because yeah, it's this a is, cactus yeah. instead. So here we go round the prickly pear, the prickly pear, the prickly pear. Here we go round the prickly pear at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> between the idea and the reality, between the motion and the act, falls the shadow. For thine is the kingdom. Between the conception and the creation, between the emotion and the response, falls the shadow. Life is very long. Between the desire and the spasm, between the potency and the existence, between the essence and the descent, falls the shadow. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is... Life is... For thine is the 
This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. And of course, we can sing song that last bit exactly as the first. first. Mm -hmm. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. The childlike and so, sarcasm. Yeah. It is all of those things wrapped up into one. Right. It's it is a, the parody of... But it's almost like he ends it with a sarcastic tone. Oh, it is sarcastic. Tone, like... Super sarcastic. Forget it. Yep. I'm done with it. Yep. It he is the essence of the hollow men. Yeah. There is no bang. Right. It just dies. He with a childlike right. whimper. Right. He, that accomplishes nothing. He can't pray, for thine is the kingdom. Yep. For thine is the kingdom. He says it over and over again, fragmented. He can't pray. He can't act. Mm -hmm. So what the heck? This is just all a big joke. What a waste Yep. this all is. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the conclusion that the atheistic world takes you to. The mm -hmm. logic of atheism. Right. They it is what I lived mm -hmm. up until 2019 mm -hmm. when I was presented with the choice, this or this. Yeah, there is a logic to the atheistic world. Mm -hmm. You can accept it. You can buy it, but you've got to buy it. It is a faith choice. And if that's the case, you could choose otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I, think I don't the, know. I'm not so sure T.S. Eliot was buying that either. At this point. Man, what do you mean by that? He doesn't seem like he's in the atheist world either. He's now, just, you mean? No, at this point. When yeah, he that's what the I mean. Hollow men. In the hollow men. Yeah, yeah. He's certainly saying to himself, boy, is this Because empty. the atheist world was almost like World War One, post-World yeah, War One. For what, sure. What World War One brought us. And the other side of the atheist world was the hedonistic world of the Roaring Twenties. Mm -hmm. And... Like you said, it was hollow. Yes, completely hollow. But he just could not figure out how to get to the other side. Yep. Who is that? <laughs> Who do we know in this? <laughs> Who do we know that had that exact same issue? What is so weird about that is that I love this as an atheist as mm -hmm. much as I love it now. Every time I dealt with both C.S. Lewis yeah. and T.S. Eliot, I identified so deeply with all of the things that they were saying. Mm -hmm. And in the hollow men, it's like, yeah, you nailed it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. This is the emptiness of the world. Mm -hmm. And I found that in Jean Bossartre. I found it in Lucretius. Mm -hmm. I found it in everything that related to the world without buying some sort of theistic notion that God anchored reality right and those were the two choices mm -hmm. and like t.s Eliot, at this point in my life it was like how do i get out of this mm -hmm. i don't know how to get out of it and, and i was I on the other side saying why the heck won't you get <laughs> <laughs> i remember thinking what the heck is wrong with that guy 
But I mean, I see it here so clearly mm -hmm. in T.S. Eliot, right. both in The Wasteland, which is a fantastic poem, but is an entirely different poem from this one. Mm -hmm. But in particular in this one, it is so tightly integrated and declarative yep. of the atheistic worldview and ultimately the atheist experience, no matter how much you try to explain mm -hmm. your love of goodness in the atheist world, the logic takes you here. I guess this should be the theme of the atheist. Part this of the poem. atheist, part of the Christian atheist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is. Mm -hmm. Between the desire and the spasm, between the potency and the existence, between the essence and the descent, falls the shadow. Mm -hmm. And I said so many times to you and throughout the Christian atheist that there was a switch I threw mm -hmm. when I went to the atheist side that I could not unthrow yep. by myself. I had to wait, even though I desired it for a year or so before. Mm -hmm. And I think... I couldn't flip it myself. I think Elliot had the same issue. That's you what I get see from it. this poem. Yep. You can it's see that you moment. Can, it's like screaming out. He's like, please give me the switch yeah. again. <laughs> and, and it definitely he can't is. Find it. Right. It's definitely there. For thine is the kingdom. Mm -hmm. For thine is... Life is... For thine is the... Just give me the switch. Give me the switch. Mm -hmm. Let me make the transition. Mm -hmm. And exactly. somehow or other, there's only moments when God gives us that right. capacity. Right. I don't know. I guess it's not our capacity. Yes. I really don't it's understand It's probably it. nothing we should even explain because it, we can't explain. Right at this point, we're not knowledgeable on how to understand it. No. I what mean, were you going to say, Lewis? Yeah, Lewis, when he talks about it in Surprised by Joy... He talks about like he felt like he was a snowman mm -hmm. that was slowly <laughs> melting and the water was trickling down his back. <laughs> and suddenly he had a moment where he was, for the first time in his life, truly free to choose. Mm -hmm. And I can't say it was exactly like that for me, but it was very close. Right. And I think that may be because I had already chosen. Yeah, but I had yeah, walked yeah. away so radically that the, you had the coming a moment back, to come back right, was similar to that. Before God said, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know with my own life, I know it's, it's this moment of clarity, like mm -hmm. total clarity. And as Lewis said, it's not a moment of compulsion. Mm -hmm. You not, know it's a moment of free choice. Right, it is, it, for sure. And you, look, But it made sense. It makes sense. And it said, yep. John 6, 68, that moment said, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. Right. There, yeah. It's like, it, it is very complete clear. sense. It wasn't compulsion, but it made complete sense. Right. And it was like, yeah, that's the way. Right, and that's what it was for me when mm -hmm. I came back. It's like, do I want this side? Or this side. Right. And it was measured by value, not by rationality. Mm -hmm. Rationality had already done its job. Mm -hmm. I was standing before the two options. And rationality only took me that far. Mm -hmm. But the options being open, the choice was one of value. Right. And I think that's the what we call fundamental faith that we've been talking about yeah, in the I Christian so atheist. Mm -hmm. You choose the way of Cain or you choose the way of Abel. You decide to humble yourself before the creator of the universe mm -hmm. and say you get to make the calls right not me 
and I will submit myself to you. You have the words of eternal life. Or you have the words of to eternal life. Shall to whom else go? shall I go? Yeah. yeah. You have the value. There is nothing else. Nobody else There's has absolutely it. nothing else. And I think it's either that embrace of value or the rejection of value that it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And I yes. know that's a hard thing for people to buy or accept. Mm -hmm. But some people simply refuse to embrace the value that is given to them in preference to their own vision mm -hmm. of what it should be. Right. right. And it's a matter of elevating oneself above the divine. Right. right. And that seems to be the choice to me. Okay, so let's move on to some of the themes in this poem. Before we say anything, I want to just say one thing that this poem also reminded me of. This is totally different than what we've been talking about. But this kind of made me think of the new revolutionaries of our time. Mm. <laughs> um, I talked about this before to you that I think that one thing that's saving us from these revolutionary uprisings of the past, like you know, like the communist uprisings that we've had in history is the fact that the young today are hollow. Mm. The young people today are hollow, borrowing mm. from this poem. Yeah. They're able to be incited and activated, but at the same time, they're able to be activated by like the diehard revolutionary leaders, but they can't see the revolution through. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. More than a few weeks or a few months. So the traits that we're seeing in the young people today that make us frustrated, like yeah. they're lazy, they're no irresponsible. Yeah, they won't persevere. No sense um, of uh, having to have their hands held all of the time, mm -hmm. not seeing things. That may be what's saving us from falling off the cliff, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because they can't commit. Right. They're hollow. Yeah. It's, it's saving us from going into destruction so, and chaos. That's interesting. So maybe the idea of being hollow is more equated to the agnosticism uh -huh. that refuses people to commit to anything. Right. They, yeah, And because exactly. they can't commit to anything, they can't commit to destroying us. Right. Exactly. Like so maybe, we, maybe the, we should be happy about the young maybe people Maybe we should today. be happy about the inability of the they're, um, they're millennials un, and so forth. Right. They're unable to... Stick with commit. anything of importance. Yeah. And they're unwilling, they're unwilling to turn to God and they're unwilling to turn to the revolution, you know, to stick with the revolution. Right. So they just drift in meaninglessness. Yeah. And so for now, it's keeping the status quo. Yeah. So meaninglessness is superior to the rejection of meaning, the denial yeah. of meaning, yeah. Yeah. which is where they would take us. Right. Because we do have some crazy revolutionary leaders who would like to, but they just cannot get to these get young board. people incited. And of course, that's their own fault. Yeah. <laughs> because they created the culture that did that. Because World War II... Man, could they get people incited? Look at the Nazis. Look at the you know. Look the at the communists. The communists. Yeah. They yep. could really get people incited. Oh man, yeah. The 20th century was certainly a committed century. Right, but now we don't have a commitment. No, there and, is no commitment now. And then we complain about the same young people can't commit themselves to work either. So just be thankful that they're not committing themselves to to communist manifestos. <laughs> Okay, so let's look at some of the themes of the Hollow Men. There's a theme of faith. He's longing, right? Yeah. He's longing for faith. Mm -hmm. Elliot is longing for faith. He really is. It's so clear that he's tired of the material and false gods, and it's almost like he's. It's impossible to get to faith. And you know what? 
he doesn't know, is there a God or no God or what is the afterlife? He has no idea. All he thinks to himself is his life is going to end in dissatisfaction. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like this lowly place that the hollow men's world has sunk. Yep. Unable and even indifferent to a certain extent to rectify yep. the way the world is. Yeah, and he's thinking, think, but he's thinking, I'm going to be judged by the dead as living a meaningless life because he has no idea about anything. Anything in, in his own way, this poem you get at the back of it mm -hmm. a sense that there is a separation from the poet, as much as he's identifying himself with his generation. Mm -hmm. We are the hollow men. We are the stuffed men, leaning together, headpiece filled with straw. Alas, that the poet is recognizing that this is what we are, and there's hopefully, maybe, something more mm -hmm. beyond this. But at the same time, resigning himself that my end is going to be meaninglessness. Don't you think? Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah. That's like, almost like, predictive, I think. Right. It's like he returns he returns to his childhood, you know, using the poem, This is the way the world ends, you know, my life is going to be meaningless. Yeah. And then two well, years and later the suicide mindset. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, Journey of the Magi comes. Yes. And it's an amazing contrast. Right. It was, you may say, satisfactory. Right. There's no satisfaction in this poem. Not with a bang. <laughs> Not with a whimper, whimper either, the, the journey of the Magi. Yeah. It was, as you may say, satisfactory. It right. wasn't with a bang. No bang. It wasn't with a whimper either. Right. It was yeah. like, ah. Oh, yes. It was this a. This is what it is. Right. Satisfaction. Right. 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 And then there is this theme of emptiness in light of World War One. But today, if we bring the poem to today, there's so much emptiness Mm -hmm. spiritual emptiness yep. we have a decay in our society normalization of what's not normal yes <laughs> that's yeah, empty the, the centering of the marginal mm -hmm. making and, that which has been traditionally mm -hmm. on the outside the center right right yep. I, and an inability to engage with one another in the mm -hmm. world. I mean look at you when you're trying to just engage online mm -hmm. on social media. It's like what? What is this? <laughs> you know, with people who comment on your on your YouTube page, yep. it's just insane now. And then we wander in this wasteland of social media and and artificial intelligence. And at the beginning of the poem, Elliot talks about stuff men, heads full of straw. And this is like in contrast to this emptiness. Mm -hmm. Right now, we are living in that. Yep. Our heads are filled with so much. It um, and it's the all straw, empty. It's not even true. And this we is, fill our heads with yeah. lies. But this is before Eliot turned to God. Mm -hmm. And what does what does it say in the Bible in Corinthians about building your foundation on gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble? Right. Same so, thing. Yeah. So we're supposed to build with lasting materials right. instead of those things which will pass away inevitably right. and be burnt up. Right. So do you have anything else to say, John? We've said a lot. <laughs> We've said a lot. We've actually, we're an hour and 20 minutes yeah, in. This, so. this poem has so much. Yeah. There and, is, there and we is tried to refrain ourselves from a lot of stuff. <laughs> we tried to place it in Elliot's time and our time, and there's so much more you could say about it, too. I think we've done a good job. 
I think so. I think we've mm-hmm. covered a decent amount. Certainly, there's a lot more to say, but that's and, okay. We don't need to say be, everything. You would be great is if you all read it or listen to John reading it on Simple Gifts. You can get that link in the description and then comment on it to yep. tell us what it means to you. Yeah, send us your comments on yeah, it. Yeah, we'd love to hear how you interpret it. Any new information that helps mm-hmm. us understand the poem better is valuable. Yeah, we tried to give you the, what would you say, the encyclopedia. Right, some sort of framework to <laughs> yeah. understand the, the broader Wikipedia structure. The Wikipedia version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we'd love to hear what it means to you. Okay, so next week on The Christian Atheist, I think you'll be doing... Episode 2, two? J-E-D-P, The Curse Tablet, and C.S. Lewis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so tune in next Monday to hear the second part of John's... Series. The second part to of hear this. the second part of John's series on The, um, curse the Christian Atheist. Yeah. And as always, if you're interested in knowing more about the Christian Atheist, why not check out the link to John's book in the description, Through the Looking Glass, The Imploding of an Atheist Professor's Worldview. And as always, if you have the means, buy us a cup of coffee. We have a link to that in the description as well. And we appreciate and we thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you all next week. Yep. Thank you, my love, for suggesting we do this. Mm-hmm. It was a delight, and it feels like we've done some important work here. Yeah, I think so. And also, it was, as always, a great joy to discuss these things with you. I love you. I love you too, John. <laughs> I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason. Respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.